up Driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Hey friends, this is Chapman Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministry, and I've got my partner with me. Hi, my name is Fred Mooney, and I'm excited and honored to be here in the cab with Gary Rayburn. And we are going to have church on the road for you today, folks. So sit back, listen, and enjoy our program. And if you'd like to get more copies, just give us a call at 618-383-2107 or log on to lonesomeroad.org. My address is 408-414, a big blue mag. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have the white line fever to the day that I die. I said 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. We've got part two of Tony Mac McMullen's testimony that he gave in Carmi, March 2009, Freedom on H Block. Here's Tony Mac McMullen. I feel good. <laughs> Don't you love Jesus? <laughs> He's so cool. Last night, my little brother up there on the camera said, Can you hold still? I said, No. <laughs> He said, I'm tired than you are trying to keep up with you, amen. I can't hold still. You ready? <laughs> amen. Some of y'all see me up here, I got a red face, don't I? I'm not embarrassed. I met some people here at the church. You got to be careful when people invite you to do things, amen. I met some people here yesterday, really nice people, man. Uh, uh, Mark Rogers is one of them's name. Some of y'all know him. And the other one is uh, Danny, Danny uh, Jackson. And, and they said, come on, Tony, tomorrow we're going to go kayaking. <laughs> and I'm thinking, they must have a big kayak. We pull up, they pull up and get me, and I see these three little bitty kayaks in the back of there, and I'm thinking, how am I going to get in there? And more importantly, how am I going to get out? <laughs> we pull into a station, and the guy uh, is sitting there in the truck, man, and, and we go in and get a little sandwich, you know, and little bitty sandwich. Them things wasn't that big around. <laughs> Amen. It was good, though, man. And we come back out, and that guy's looking at me. He's looking at them kayaks. He looks back at me. He said, y'all going to put him in the kayak? Put the kayak in the water? He said, I hope you can swim. I said, thank you for the vote of confidence. Amen. And they said, brother, just get in there, and we'll scoot you out. I thought I was old pro. I've been in a canoe. I've never been in a kayak. Amen. I look like a gorilla on a toothpick. 
everything at home, my billfold, phone, all that, because I had a good idea I might get wet, amen? <laughs> and we come back, and, and guess what? Danny told me to blame it on Mark Rogers. Lock the keys in the truck, amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. And, and Kenny and, and Rita Rager, bless their hearts, they, they was my little wife's preacher and, and first lady whenever, uh, whenever I was in prison. Kenny came to see me in the prison and Man, I just, I just loved Jesus, you know, and I, we had such a good visit, and we got up, and he was getting ready to leave, and big old tear started down his cheek, and I said, brother, it's okay. I'm going home soon. He said, I want to take you right now. And they've been really good friends, and Kenny was, Candy's pastor when her mama died. I told you all some of my testimony last night and I'm going to tell you some more tonight. You know, I got to tell you, it was real hard not to be negative in that little kayak today. <laughs> Amen. And I, there was turtles and ducks and I thought I was going to be in the water with them the whole time. Amen. They took me all the way across the lake, and then we come back, and the, the wind had gotten up real good. That's, that's, I like to talk like that, amen. It, it was blowing real good. And there was like two-foot swells, and, and I did get sopping wet, amen. And I looked at old boy, Mark, and he's just grinning at me. He, he said, I'm going to stay right here with you. I'll help you swim when you fall over and then I got to thinking, it wasn't that big a deal falling over till they thought I was going to. Amen. <laughs> and, and I said, that's pretty negative. When y'all are ministering, do you ever run across some negative people? Anybody ever do that? But none of you are negative, right? None of you ever were. I know some of you weren't. But I got to tell you, I was negative, man. I, I really was. It reminds me of a story of a guy that had a bird dog. He, he loved, I mean, a duck, duck hunting dog. He, he loved to go hunting, man. He loved to duck hunt. That was, that was, when he wasn't in church and working for the Lord, he was duck hunting. And he sent this dog to school, and, and he, got, he was getting the dog, or he got the dog out that day. Next day was opening season. season. And he, he can't wait to go, and the Lord told him, hey, Call old boy and take him with you. Because he's trying to think of who he wanted to take. He says, oh, Lord, that, he's so negative. Everything about him so negative. Lord, please don't make me take him. And you know how the Lord is, amen. He, he don't change his mind, does he, amen. And he says, no, call him. And so the guy found himself calling the guy on the phone. He said, look. He said, I got my dog out of school today. Duck season opens tomorrow. I want you to come and go with me. We're going to have a ball. He says, ah, it'll probably rain. He says, I'll bring you a slicker. I don't have a gun. He said, I've got a gun. It probably don't shoot straight. You can shoot my gun. He said, we'll go in a boat, man, and we'll take the boat probably leaks. We won't see, you know, I promise you, you'll see some ducks. Okay, okay. So he comes with him, they get in the boat, and they take off, man, and, and, and sure enough, here comes the ducks, and the, and the positive guy, he raises up, man, and he shoots a duck, and he tells the negative guy, watch my dog. And the dog takes off, jumps out of the boat, runs on top of the water, <laughs> grabs the duck, runs back, on top of the water, and the positive guy looks at the negative guy. He said, what would you think of that? And the negative guy said, that's what I thought. That dog can't even swim. <laughs> Isn't that how we are? Amen. I've run across people all the time. It doesn't matter what you say to them. They're negative. Amen. My little wife wouldn't put up with that. 
Now, I'm going to recap on my testimony last night, and then I'm going to talk about what happened after I got saved. And if you will, just turn your, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Get there, say amen. amen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold. All things become new. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for another opportunity, Lord. I thank you for all these hearts that are here tonight. Lord, I know that some hearts came through that door needing a change. And Father, I've just been all day, as I've been praying, you've been giving me this new beginning. New beginning. And Father, I just pray, God, that's, that's what we want to see more than anything tonight, Lord. We want to see some hearts changed. We want to see salvation, Father. And Lord, we just praise you for it ahead of time. We just thank you, God, that, that it's going to happen. I thank you, Lord, for the salvations that happened last night. Lord, I thank you for the hearts that were broken and the minds that were turned to you. And Father, I know, God, you're going to protect them. You're going to put inside them a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Lord, have your way in the service tonight. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Have your way here. Father, hide me behind the cross, and Lord, you just take over. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my wife and I, we grew up in the same neighborhood, and and Candy, bless her heart, she's about that big, and she's just all heart. She's just a, a beautiful, beautiful girl. And, and, and she was beautiful when I was little bitty, amen? I used to walk around her, and I couldn't even talk. I just, she was so cute, man. I just followed her everywhere she went. Now me all know her dad didn't like that, amen? Candy got saved when she was a little bitty girl. Her mom and dad divorced when she was just very young. And uh, he remarried, and... She was in a very strict house, and uh, just very innocent girl, very, very uh, precious, uh, just humble, humble girl. And uh, I, I, I loved her just for who she was, never, never mind how pretty she was, you know. And, and uh, she got saved one night when she cried herself to sleep, wanting her mama. Uh, she dreamed, and she seen Jesus in the clouds, and and he told her it was going to be okay. And she went to church just that weekend after that and got saved. Uh, as a very little girl. And uh, years go by, she moves off. Uh, I don't see her for a long time. I started doing drugs. Uh, started, started out with cigarettes and then drinking alcohol. And, and by the age 14, I was shooting dope uh, intravenously. And that just began to snowball. Candy came back, moved back with her brother. We got married. She was 16. I was 17 years old, way too young. But we tricked the doctor into thinking she was pregnant, and, and we got married. Now, something, somebody should have known something when we had a baby a year and a half after we got married. Amen? <laughs> but uh, we had two little girls, and I, my drug abuse just kept getting worse and worse. Candy would pray, uh, that's a prayingest little girl, she'd pray all the time, take our kids to church, try to get me to go, and I wouldn't go. As a very young boy, I believed in God, I believed that he was there, but I believed he left something out of me. When I was born, I was just born to go to hell, I had that in my heart, I believed that, I really believed that lie, and that was from Satan. But it, I was sold on it, and not only that, I've seen Christians, I've seen you know how they acted, and I didn't want to be like that. I, that didn't look like no fun to me. I thank God that churches today are starting to, to look at our kids and try to get them involved at, at an early age and bring them up where they can learn and stuff. And, and that's awesome. And I, and I know they did then too, but uh, you know I see churches now just, just trying to develop their little minds. And we need that in this nation. They've taken everything else away from us, man. And and you know what? If we don't do it as Christians, it ain't going to get done. And so we may have to make that stand. I, I get sick to my stomach every time I hear them talking about taking my Jesus off of the money or out of the courts or, or off of the, you know, taking him away from anything. I just want to shout, no, no, man. 
I, you know, we've seen Million Man March. I bet if our Christians got together and went to Washington, man, we could make a statement. Amen. We could stay, make a statement. But I was lost. I was lost. I, I, I believed that lie. And my, I got into a gunfight with a guy. It ended up in uh, 17 bullet holes in my, gun, in my truck. And I drive by his house, shoot a man in his front yard that I thought was him. It wasn't him. It was a good friend of mine. I knew his whole family. Had a little boy that I befriended. I, I loved the little guy and, and he loved me. But he loved his daddy so much. And I robbed him of his daddy with just one little trigger pull. Can't take that back. Somebody asked me last night after the service, Tony, do you, do you still feel guilty? I pray God, please let him be in heaven. But I don't think he will be. I still see that little guy's face. I probably will the rest of my life. I think something would be wrong with me if I didn't know, you know. But anyway, I, I got 30 years for that. Got sent to prison and, and my wife would come to every visiting room. Had a dream. I got over to McAllister and I'm rushing through this, but I have some stuff I want to tell you. I think it's beneficial to those who got saved and to people who are going through trials right now. But I had a dream, uh, we had, was in a riot over at McAllister, Oklahoma. Now you gotta understand, my little wife just stayed on me to get saved. She was always sending me scripture in the mail, always bringing scripture to the visiting room, always trying to pray for me. And you know what, I would let her because it would break her heart so much if I didn't. So when she would try to pray, I would just let her. And I'd look around just daring somebody to say something, you know, I just, I just would protect her right to do that. And whenever she left, she would always tell me, Tony, please let Jesus into your heart. I still believe that lie that Jesus couldn't save me. I had a dream one night at McAllister. We had a riot. Several officers were hurt. I met a girl here last night. Came up to me and she had family that had married Eddie Morgan. Eddie Morgan was the man. She said, my aunt married Eddie Morgan. Eddie Morgan was the guy, as I told you last night, he got stabbed three times. The third time he dropped his arms and he got stabbed right in the eyeball. Today he's got a glass eye. And there was a girl here last night. Are you here, girl? No, she's not here tonight. Anyway, it was, you know, it's so awesome how you meet people everywhere you go that know people. This really isn't that big of a world. Amen. Anyway, I had, I, we were locked down and I had a dream. I, I'm feeling sorry for myself and I had a dream one night and, that I was in the electric chair and Satan was coming after me. Jesus showed up and ran Satan off, told him I would belong to him. I continued to run from God all through the system. That dream was real to me. You know, every time I got in trouble, I would think about, about that dream. I would see Jesus in that dream running Satan off and his kind eyes when he looked at me, the peace and the joy that came out of him. He was just light just coming out of him everywhere. My little wife followed me for 11 years through the prison system while I ran from God. I finally get into bad trouble. Candy's, Candy come up and told me that her mom was, had been diagnosed with lung cancer and was dying. It was a horrible death for Candy to have to go through and watch her mama go through because she, was, she, had, she had signed a living will that she would get to stay at home and not be at the hospital. So the family tried to take care of her and interning her and stuff. They actually busted some of her ribs and stuff. She was so frail. And it would just break Candy's heart. They were trying to medicate her and didn't know how to. And, and uh, they weren't teaching them well, and they were being confused, and mistakes were made. And it was just breaking Candy's heart to see her mama have to go through this. And it really took its toll on my wife. And I had beat some guys up. After she, she asked me, Tony, please, please, I need to lean on you. I've been there for you 11 years through the prison system, and now I need to lean on you. And you know what? I went right out on the ball field, beat two guys up over a dope deal, and got shipped back to McAllister. 
Candy's mama died. I was on lockup for 140 days. Finally, they came over the intercom, told me my wife was there for a visit. And so I went up, shackled and chained, couldn't wait to see my wife. And I got up there, and it did not look like my wife. She had lost so much weight. The loss of her mom, me being back on H-Block, our kids had begun to uh, rebel. And it had taken its toll on my little wife. I'd never seen her like that in my life. Every time I think about that time, I get emotional. It's still very, very real to me. When I seen her, it terrified me. It, fear went through me, and I remember telling her, Candy, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll quit doing drugs. I'll quit doing anything. Are, are you okay? Tears began to roll down her eyes. For the whole 15 minutes of our visit, all she could do was cry. We had to visit through plexiglass and a, and a phone. When it was time for her to leave with her little hands shaking, holding that phone, she said, Tony, please. I am weak. I don't know how long I can hang on. I don't know how long I can do this anymore. Please give your heart to Jesus. She told me she loved me. And she turned and left. I was terrified she'd have a wreck going home. That's how weak she was. I loved my wife. I just didn't know how to love her. I remember going back down to my cell, and the cell they'd put me in had demons drawn on every wall, gang graffiti, everybody hating everybody else down there. And I remember feeling so helpless, so alone. I laid there, and that night tried to go to sleep. You know, there was a, a letter in the cell when I came back in. It was from my daughters, and both my daughters said, Daddy, please do something. Mama can't eat. She can't sleep. Mama crying all night long. Daddy, we're afraid she's going to die. Please do something. I, could sit, I knew the fear with them was real because I had it in my own heart. But what could I do? I looked at these four gray prison walls, this prison I'd put myself in. I never felt so helpless. Listen to me. So alone. So without hope in my whole life. Shame and guilt was all over me. I couldn't be there for my wife. That night I tried to go to sleep everywhere I looked. A demon was looking back at me off of these walls from where they had painted them on these walls. And I looked up at the ceiling. I couldn't sleep. I rolled over on my back and I was looking up there and there was nothing up there. Now I'd been taken to church quite a bit when I was a little boy and something came back to me. That Jesus was the name above all names. And so I got a little stubby pencil and I got my mattress, I rolled it up, these ceilings are real high, and I climbed up there and I wrote the name of Jesus on the ceiling. And I laid back down and I, I looked at that name and I remember closing my eyes real hard and I said, Lord, I know I'm filthy and dirty and I don't even deserve, Lord, to call on your name, but my little wife has loved you her whole life. Please, Lord, please help her. And I said, amen. I didn't even know what amen meant. It means so be it. You're putting faith on the end of your prayer. Amen. I went to sleep, slept a good sleep. I woke up the next morning. The guy was screaming next door. He had picked up a, a note that said I was going to kill him, that the Universal Aryan Brotherhood had sent over a contract on his life, and I was supposed to kill him. It was a lie. He had been up on methamphetamine for, for like two weeks, and he really believed it. And, and, and if I could have got to him after about 30 minutes of him kicking on that door, I'd have killed him for nothing. Amen. They come, got him, took him out to a no-contact room, come back and got me and said, Buddy, we've got a place for you. And something inside of me broke. And I remember kicking that door and telling him, What are you going to do with me? What are you going to do with me? I'm on the bottom of the barrel in Oklahoma. I can't go any lower. And right then, people, I felt like the scum of the earth. I remembered every dirty thing I had ever done. It just began to flow through me. I, the shame and the guilt just caused me to hang my head. They shackled me and chained me. They opened the door, and I went out of that cell over into another unit on death row. They put me in a cell with a guy. You know, I seen the door open, and the first thing I see in this cell is a picture of Jesus Christ on the wall. The next thing I see is this Christian, lips touching both ears. <laughs> You're Tony Mack, ain't you? I said, oh my God. 
they put me in here with a Bible thumper. And they had. They had. I remember telling him, look, buddy, save it. There's no way God could forgive me. He said, Tony, he forgave me. Began to tell me about his life. And man, I kind of felt pretty good after listening to him, you know. And he had been on H-Block since it opened at that time, six years in this hole. Man, his, his, his walls had scripture all over them. I remember him telling me, Tony, it's not by accident that you're here. He said, your family needs you more than they ever have. I thought he's reading my mail, man. <laughs> How did he know that stuff? You know, and he said, it's time for you to quit being a little boy and become a man. I wasn't used to people talking to me that way. <laughs> but I looked at him. There was no fear in his eyes. Only compassion. Yeah. Funny, I felt like this guy loved me and I, he didn't even know me. He began to read scripture to me. I listened to him read for three days. And on the third day, he hit this scripture. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And your house. I said, Michael, you mean my family? Is that what the house means? If I ask Jesus into my heart that he'll, he'll forgive me for my sins. And, and not only that, Michael, he'll save my little girls. He'll help my wife. And he said, it's not a promise from me, Tony. It's a promise from God. And God's not a man that he should lie. He said, if you'll stand on that scripture, it'll come true. That night. For the first time in my life, I cried out to God. I said, Lord, do you really love me? He said, Tony, I knew your name on the cross. It wasn't an audible voice, but I heard it in my heart just like it was. I said, but Lord, I've never been able to quit doing drugs. He said, you can do all things through me. I'll strengthen you. Amen. I said, but Lord, what about all the dirty things I do? He said, I'll cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. I went to sleep. Seemed like immediately. I woke up the next morning. Michael's making these roses. Made them out of toilet paper and baby powder. I don't know how he done that, man, but they were beautiful. And he's just glowing. This guy is, is on, he was doing life without it. He got his life sentence overturned. And I know God that done that for him because he got saved before that ever happened. But he's still on death row. And he's just glowing. Grinning. At everything. And right then, right there at that moment, I wanted Jesus Christ in my heart more than I've ever wanted anything in my life. More than I've ever wanted dope. More than I've ever wanted freedom. More than I've ever wanted anything. Right then, I wanted what Michael had. I said, Michael. He dropped that rose. He heard the desperation in my voice. And he turned around, lips touching both ears. I said, Michael, I want to know the Jesus that you know. And he grabbed me by the hands and he led me through the sinner's prayer. And I felt the chains of hatred, of fear, of anger, of guilt, of shame just falling off like yesterday's news. And you know what? A love began to come into me. I felt it go through me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Now I'm crying and I've got lips touching both ears. Amen. I wanted to tell somebody. I wanted to tell somebody. My cell partner already knew. I looked up and here comes an officer down the run. I kicked the door. Hey, I'm saved. He said, oh my God. He took off. I hear him down the other end of the run telling some, telling some guys, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with Tony Mac. For the first time in my life, everything was right with me. I said, there ain't nothing wrong with me. Get me the phone. I got to tell my wife. 
They'd bring the phone out around on a little crate and they stick the phone through the bean hole and the bean hole's down low on H block. And, and I called my wife. She wasn't home. I called my mama. It was December the 11th, 1996. Mom answered the phone. Hello. I said, Mama, boy, do I got a Christmas present for you. She said, what have you done now? <laughs> I said, no, Mama, I'm saved. Jesus is in my heart. Mama, I don't have to go to hell. I'm going to go to heaven, Mama, I'm saved. I've been redeemed. And I'm saved, Mom. 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 I hear her on the other end of the line. Well, that got me. Every time one of us tried to speak, the other one just bawled. I mean, this guy been hearing what a tough guy I've been for 11 years, right? I'm thinking, he thinks I'm a sissy. <laughs> I look back there at him, and he's back there. Ah! <laughs> Last night I talked about a little bitty ball-headed guy named Benny Beck. Wouldn't leave me alone. Little Christian, you couldn't run him off with a ball, with a ball bat. Amen. And, and, and I, he, he, he played a big role in me getting saved because... Man, he got me to thinking about things because he wouldn't shut up. It was like God sent him everywhere I went, man, and he was there. And I, I got saved, and I, I, t I, told, I told Michael, I said, hey, Michael, there's a little bald-headed preacher, man, that goes all over the place. And, and he's a little bitty guy, and you can't shut him up. He said, you're talking about Benny Beck. I said, yeah, that's him. I said, does he ever come in here? And he says, yeah, sometimes. He said, Tony, let's just, you want to see him? I said, yeah. Because he was always telling me, you're going to get saved, Tony. You're going to get saved. You're just running from God. You're going to get saved. And so we prayed. Next day I was sitting on the end of my bunk, concrete bunk, got the mattress on it, you know, and I, and I'm reading, man, and it was like this word was written just for me now. You know what? I, I told myself I'm going to choose to believe. Amen? Amen? I'm choosing to believe. I, I know, man, that sometimes I read things in the Bible like, like water coming out of an old hard rock. How did that happen, Lord? I know it did now. I know with everything in my heart that what my Jesus can do. And I was reading the Bible. I was on the end of the bunk reading the Bible. And I heard Michael. He said, Tony Mack. Look at the door. Very next day, look who's in the door. I turn around, there's Benny Beck looking through the window. God told him again, amen. <laughs> I got up and started over there, and you could see tears just begin to roll down his face. I said, Benny, I got saved. He said, I know. <laughs> I said, you were right. He said, I know put my hands on the plexiglass window and we just wept for the longest time. God just right there, it was like he was just hugging us. It was such a good feeling, it was such a closeness. Sometimes I hug some of you guys. I, I look into your eyes, I see that. You know, God began to move in my life. I, you know, there was dope all around me. And it, this is so funny because you know, I'd always heard people talk about the temptations. If you ask God to take temptation away, then he'd just take the temptation away. And I was asking him, and I'd smell that weed, and I'd want some, amen? The temptation wasn't going away. And I, and I said, God, you know, everybody tells me that you'll take the temptation away, but I still want bad things. And he said, Tony, that's called temptation. He said, you're in the world. He said, I didn't give you that temptation. You went and acquired that on your own. He said, but if you'll fight, I'll fight with you. Amen. I said, Michael, God just told me something. Michael, 
grit lips. He said, what did he tell you, brother? Share it with me. I said, he told me that he wouldn't take the temptation away from me, but that he'd fight with me. He said, Tony, come look in Jeremiah. He showed me where God walks beside us like a mighty warrior. Woo! He said, now come look in Revelations. He said, he's a lion from the tribe of Judah. Woo! So you know what? Every time that old temptation come, I just look at my lion. Amen. How would you? Amen. Amen. <laughs> now listen to me. If you was coming down the sidewalk and you see somebody coming with a lion, would you, would you just keep going? <laughs> no, you do this. And that's what Satan does. Amen. When we recognize we've got a mighty warrior beside us, Satan will flee. But you've got to recognize it. Some of you are walking in defeat and you don't have to. Amen. There's a fight. The Bible says we're going to fight. He said, put on the whole armor of God. That you'll be able to stand against the what? The wiles of the devil. Now, you know what? I didn't know what that wiles meant. I really didn't. I, I, I was reading the King James and I said, God, what's a wiles? And I began to study and it, and, and it said trickery, treachery. How many of y'all watch Wiley Coyote in the boat and the Roadrunner? <laughs> I'm going to ruin that cartoon for you. I used to hope that the Wiley the Coyote would catch that Roadrunner. <laughs> Amen. I just knew any time I'm going to watch a cartoon where he gets that little beep beep. <laughs> but when I, began to, when I began to look at the scripture, listen to me. When I began to look at the scripture and seeing that we had to put on the armor of God, I started seeing the armor on that little road runner. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I look at O'Wiley, he looks like Slewfoot, don't he? Amen. <laughs> I love it when, the, you know, there's a one story where, where the peak's way out there and, 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 and Wiley Coyote, man, he goes to the Acme Tricks and gets him some Wileys, amen? And he puts them around the mountain, you know, around the, the peak, and he puts the bird seat out there. And here come the little roadrunner. You know what the song said? He just, he just run around his idea having fun, amen? And, and, the, and it shows us, us and the roadrunner comes out on the peak and starts picking it in. And it shows Wiley. And he does his eyebrows like that. Amen. <laughs> got, the, got the juice box. That's just like Satan. That's just like Satan, man. If you're going to eat the bird seed, you better have the armor on. Amen. And he pushes that deal down. And the whole mountain blows up. Amen. And you see, the last thing you see is his ear blowed off, his eyebrows blowed off. Amen. And he's going down in a, in a smoke ring, his neck stretched that long. If you're listening, Satan, I just see you like that all the time. Amen. <laughs> and the next thing you see is a roadrunner out on this peak. Nothing holding it up. God's hands. God will hold you up. He'll hold you up if you let him. He walks beside us. Like a mighty warrior. Listen to me. I started praying, man. I didn't want to leave Michael. This was way cool. I'm hanging out with him forever. I wrote a request to staff to the unit manager. Leave me right here. That's not a, 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 a they don't get that request very often on H block. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. They come over the intercom. Mike Mullins was my unit manager. He said, Tony, Matt, Michael, I told him in there, when you move Michael, move me. I should have been specific. I said, move us both at the same time to the same place is what I should have said. Amen. But he come over the intercom. He said, Tony, Matt, Michael's been out here since it opened. We don't see him going nowhere very soon. Before he got saved, he was stabbing people, getting caught with knives. And they, they swore up and down they wasn't going to let him off. I said, nevertheless, leave me here. I've never felt this kind of peace before in my life. I don't want to leave it. 
You see, I thought it was Michael's anointing that I had to stay next to Michael, you know. I didn't know I had my own. And, I, and one month later, we began to pray that God would move us off. One month later, they came over that same intercom and said, we don't know how you two rascals done it, but pack your stuff, you're moving. We knew how we did it, amen. We knew how we did it. We packed up. The only problem was they moved Michael to the F-Cell house up the hill. Still McAllister, but it's not the underground dungeon. Amen. They moved me to a place called Seaside, one quad. It was like the ghetto of the prison. I smelt this cell before I walked into it. The man living in that cell, I found out later, hadn't been out of that cell in three months. Hadn't taken a shower. His hair was out like this, had rats in it, and there was stuff living in that state, man. There was trash underneath the bunk. There was nicotine rolling down. He used to get people's uh, used cigarette butts and roll, roll cigarettes out of the Bible and stuff. And, and there was trash under the, man, it was so nasty. And the toilet stool's right there. I didn't even want to look. I looked at it, it had green moss all over it, all around it. I pushed the button and it just done the wave, man. I, I remember, I remember, listen to me. When Jesus does something in your life, Satan's going to be right there to try to steal it. And he was right on his shoulder telling me, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? There's no way you're saved. There's no way you can be saved. Don't you remember all the stuff you did? And I was trying to fight. I was telling him, you're a liar in Jesus' name. I know I'm saved. You get under my feet. I know I'm saved, man. But he kept saying, that was Michael's anointing. He knows your fears, amen, and he's going to use them. He's going to use them. That night, I remember laying down. I didn't even put nothing up. There was food in the floor that thick where he'd slop the food around. Man, he was, he was gross. His sheets were black. And, and I, remember, I remember that night laying down. And I thought, man, where are you at, God? And I remember turning the lights out and this room began to move. I've never seen so many cockroaches in my life. How many of y'all know Satan will bring every weapon against you? He knew he was losing a soldier. Listen to me, I never bowed down and worshipped Satan, but in my actions I did. I lived for him 100%. I remember getting up and turning the light off, thinking some of them will go away. I turned around and looked at him. He was asleep and there was cockroaches climbing on his face, on his arms. I shook my mattress out, man, and shook my blankets out, not believing anybody could live like this. And I remember, I remember the next morning, I, I didn't sleep good. All night I was flipping cockroaches off me, getting madder and madder and madder. The next morning, I woke up. I got up, man, and, and I, I'm thinking, God, where are you at? And I remembered something that my mom had taught me. When I was a little boy, I, I heard this all my life. Cleanness is next to godliness. Now, it's not in the Bible, but I can understand how God's a clean God. If I was him, I wouldn't want to come in this nasty cell neither. So I got to clean this cell up, and I call, hollered out to Beano, bring me some cleaning supplies. And the run man said, Tony Mack, we heard you was down there. He said, they're getting ready to give showers. He said, in a moment, they'll be done. And he said, I'll get you some stuff to clean your room with. I said, okay. And then about that time, they come around and said, shower. I look up at old boy. I said, today's your lucky day. <laughs> I got soap. I got shampoo. I got you a clean towel, wash rag. He said, I'm not taking a shower. I said, you're either going to take a shower in that shower or you're going to take one in that green toilet stool, but you're taking a shower. <laughs> I'm still growing in the Lord, y'all. Amen. <laughs> he looked up at me. He said, okay, okay. He jumped down and he went to one shower. I went to the other one. I come back. They brought the cleaning supplies in. 
Priest, I tore his black sheets off his bed, man, put them in a trash sack. They brought me a big trash bag. They brought him back in, man, and he cleaned up pretty good. He looked like a people, amen? And I remember I got all the trash stuffed in there, and I, I had a wash bucket with a, with a, with a scrub brush. And I, I felt like my prayers were just bouncing off the ceiling. How many of y'all know I was going through a test, amen? And I remember something Michael told me. If you ever feel like God isn't hearing your prayers or that you, you don't feel his presence, he said, Tony, just start to sing praise songs. And I didn't know very many praise songs, but I knew one that my mama sang to me when I was a little boy. She would sing my brother and my, my sister, all of us, she would she would sing us this song. Oh, how I love Jesus. But I wasn't singing it like that. I'm cleaning the toilet stool, man. And I'm going, oh, how I love Jesus. And Jesus seen me trying. And he just reached down and touched me. And my song got sweet. I knew right then, right there, when I felt him's anointing on me, no matter where they put me, no matter where I went, my Jesus was going to be right there with me. My song got sweet. I love you. I'm crying. I started hollering. I got excited. I love you, Jesus. I look up there and, oh boy, I got soap on everything in the wall. He's in a little huddle up there. <laughs> He's scared to death. I hear somebody in the bean hole. I got tears running down my eyes. The ugliest man in captivity was looking in the bean hole. He had tears running down his eyes. He said, Tony Mack, it's real. It's real, ain't it? I said, brother, I've never had anything this real. He said, Tony, I brought you some dope. But you're not going to take it, are you? I said, no, sir. If I took that, man, I'd be, he told me, he said, buy you some canteen with it. I said, I'd be just as wrong as if I took it. He said, man, Tony, you're not going to take it, are you? I said, you give it to me, I'm going to put it in that silver. It's now at silver, amen, toilet stool. He said, I got to go tell people about this. He ran, started telling people. Officers started bringing people over to my cell for me to pray for them. Something they didn't do in the system. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And listen to me. I didn't know how to pray real good. I just knew how to talk to God. Amen. I'd hold their hands right through that bean hole and we'd pray. You know that guy, he could have stand taking, uh, uh, getting saved. I read scripture to him every night, but he couldn't stand uh, those three showers a week. <laughs> I come in from the yard one day and he had moved off, amen. They moved another guy in with me and I led him to the Lord in three days, amen. <laughs> amen. Now we had another riot on that unit. And uh, two guys were hurt real bad uh, on that unit and another unit. The run man on our unit got stabbed real bad. They had to come get him and, and take him out. And the run man on the other unit, on two quad, got stabbed real, real bad, and they had to take him out. They leave us locked down for a couple weeks, won't let us out, and they come around to take my cell partner to medical. And when they did, I'd been two weeks taking a shower out of this sink, trying to keep clean, and, and I like to take showers, man. And so when they opened the door, I stuck my foot in the door. They told him, get ready for medical, and when he got ready, they opened the door, I put my foot in the door, and I grabbed my, my towel and my soap, and the officer said, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking a shower, and you're too little to be in the way. And he, he got back out of the way, and I went and took my shower, and I come back. I said, Lord, did I do that without sinning? <laughs> he said, we got a long way to go with you, boy. <laughs> Amen. They brought my cell partner back, and they said, Tony, Pruitt wants you. Now, Pruitt was a unit manager that hated my guts. And before I got saved, I hated him. We had bad history. I'm not going to go into all that. It's just bad history, believe me. It was all my fault. Amen. I was, I was not hit. 
And I get, I get down there. And you know what I say? I said, God, come go with me. Amen. When we get in trouble, we want God to go. Amen. And I go down the hall and I sit down and, and, and Pruitt said, Tony, you don't look the same. And I said, Mr. Pruitt, any man being in Christ Jesus is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And I'm not that old man that you used to know. He said, I see that, Tony. He said, the day you were coming out here, I was all set to send you right back to H Block. I didn't want you on my unit. He said, a minor emergency came up right at that very moment. Imagine that. He said, and my attention was taken off you, and you, you snuck in. And I said, it wasn't you. It was a God thing. He said, Tony, you're real, ain't you? And I said, man, I'm not real. He is. He said, well, Tony, he said, everybody I've put over on two quad has been stabbed, beaten, killed. He said, but I want you to go over there. He said, I think you can handle that unit. I'd been on this unit for one month. There are people down there five years and couldn't get a job. That's favor from God. Amen. He said, will you go? I said, can my cell partner go with me? He just got saved. I don't want to leave him by himself. He said, is there anything else you want? I said, well, I'd like to get out so I can minister to people. He said, you're going to be out. He said, he said, go pack your stuff. They messed up and let a nut out of the cell. I had captive audience. They couldn't get away. I was telling everybody, you know Jesus? I was giving them scripture. I'd be singing, amen. I, I remember going to one cell at one time. It was a guy I had stuck up for in a fight a long time ago. He said, Tony, I heard you got saved. I said, yeah, I did. He said, hold on, I want to give you something. He goes back to back to cell. I think he's going to give me scripture or something. He comes back, puts a handful of volumes in my hand. I loved volumes. I looked at that and it was like I was holding fire. I mean, that's what I seen. I remember throwing it right back in that cell. I wanted those things. I turned, left the food out, everything, ran all the way to my cell, slid in my cell on my knees and began to pray, God, give me strength. Give me strength. He came to me. I'm right here like a mighty warrior. I'm the lion from the tribe of Judah. Tony, you can do all things because I'm going to strengthen you. Man, I felt encouraged. I felt strengthened. Listen to me. I come out of the cell. A guy I had known for a long time says, Tony, come here. He said, I got a knife. What's wrong? You can have this knife. I said, no, I don't need a knife. He said, well, I seen you run to your cell. What's wrong? I said, I had to pray. <laughs> he said, you had to what? I said, I had to pray. I got to lead him to the Lord just last week. Amen. Last week. I was in prison four more years. Went to two different yards after I left McAllister. Mike Barber Ministries came up from Tulsa, from Dallas and and filmed Candy and I and put that on TBN. It's been showing throughout the years. I remember uh, Candy telling me, I didn't want to do it because I figured they put me on TV, everybody see who I was, they'd say, that's him, you know, from the past. I told Candy, I can't do that. She said, you can't tell God no. Well, after I'd done the video, uh, Mike was crying and he looked at me, you know, he's on TBN all the time on the, on Paul, and some of y'all know who he is. And, uh, and he said, after the interview, he was crying, I was crying. He said, he said, Tony, will your family get on camera? And I said, well, sure. And, and I give him the number and everything. And, and I called home one night, Candy said, guess who just called? I said, who? He said, Mike Barber. He's going to come here tomorrow and film. Tony, I can't do that. I said, you can't tell God no. It was my turn, amen. <laughs> hey, man, you can't tell God no. I was in prison four more years. We got down to where it was real close. I'm going to close here. We got down to where it was real close, me getting out. We were within like a month. 
I come in from work one day. I was working on a gun gang, and I got to earn extra time credit for that. And I come in from work one day and had a friend that was sitting down there. Look on his face told me something was bad, bad, wrong. Immediately, I thought it was my family. I said, Rick, what's wrong? He said, Tony, there's a letter up there on your desk. The time auditor wrote in there that you were illegally given time, and he's taken 1,850 days away from you. That meant five more years in prison. Broke my heart, man, and I got out my paperwork and showed them where there was a no second page filed, and it's a bunch of legal mumbo-jumbo, but I went and showed them and proved that it was wrong, and they said, Tony, we see it, but we can't override the time auditor. That night, I was, the first night I ever laid down without praying after I was saved, I was mad at God. Anybody ever get mad at God? I was mad at him. And I'll tell you something. I'll be honest with you, man. I was, I was pouting. I was spoiled brat. But I heard my little wife crying on the phone and telling me, Tony, it's okay. It's okay. We'll get through this. Are you okay? No, I wasn't okay. But I told her I was. I went to my bunk and went laid down. I didn't sleep all night. I got up the next morning. I didn't pray. I felt the Holy Spirit pulling me. But I pushed it off. Walked out of the... Self felt so lost, self felt so lonely. I remember going to the chow hall and sitting down in the chow hall and I sat at an eight-man table and I was angry and everybody in prison knew it. In prison, if you know something, it's across the yard in five minutes. Everyone in there knew what was going on. I'm sitting at this eight-man table and nobody is coming up and sitting down with me. And a friend of mine from the church came and sat all the way on the other end. He said, Tony, I didn't want to sit here. I wanted to leave you alone. He said, but, he said, but the Lord told me to come and tell you that everybody at this yard looks up to you. You're a leader here. He said, Tony, they're all watching you now. Look. And I looked up, and guys would take a bite of their food and look over at me and look back down. Almost like their hero had been slain. I got up and went and put my tray in the, in the deal and went to where I always go and pray to be alone. Little gazebo deal. And I sit down and I said, Lord God, I need your help. I know I've told you a bunch of times if you need me to save one more, I'd stay another year. So God, if that's it, just show me. All avenues were closed. They wouldn't let anybody out. I remember telling God, I need your touch right now. Forgive me for, for being mad at you. And God, just help me. Just, I need a touch. I didn't feel anything. But I got up and I went into the unit. And I walked uh, inside and the phone was right there. I felt a real strong push to call my wife. But I didn't want to hear her cry again. I, I felt another real strong push. And so I walked over and picked the phone up. I had done an Easter sunrise service on the yard that year. I gave my testimony. A chaplain made me do that. And they filmed it, and and I had sent one of those films home. I called my wife, and I said, Candy, I don't know why I'm calling, but I just want to tell you we're going to be okay. And she told me, hush. (laughs) Women do that. That's a nice way of saying shut up. (laughs) And I shut up. I had a cousin that had a bad accident. The guy in the car with him died. He was crippled. They didn't think he was ever going to come out of a coma. And when he came out of a coma, they said he's never going to walk again. A whole church is praying for him. Amen. And uh, Candy took that VCR up there and got him to bring a VCR player in there and stuck that in there for Bobby, and he got saved. That was the touch I needed. Amen. Amen. Now listen. Then I went to the church and said, I I told God I'd stay another year if one of you needed to be saved. And I better not find out which one it is. Amen. (laughs) I'm out on the yard walking one day about two, three months later. And a guy comes up to me. I see him running all the way across the yard hollering, Tony, Tony. And I look up and it's an old friend of mine that lived with me for a long time in in the prison. It was Dickie, and, and I look up, and I, I grinned. He come running up to me. He was lost. This guy was honored as I was. He said, Tony, my mama died. 
I said, Nikki, I'm sorry. He said, I told God that if he could get me to where you was and I could see him in you, that I'd, I'd let him have my life. He said, Tony, tell me how you got saved. And I give him a short testimony. Tears were running down our eyes. We kneeled down right out there on the ball field and I led him to the Lord. He went to his cell. It was locked down. I went to my cell. And when I walked through the door, I looked at the desk. There was another envelope laying on the same place the first one was. I picked it up and opened this envelope. It was from the same man that had taken my time. He said, Tony, I made a mistake. Your new release date is January 3rd, 2001. Mine and Candy's anniversary. Amen. Used to move in my life so strong so strong he's always there with me he goes before me behind me everything I touch is blessed he said I'm the top and not the bottom he said I'm blessed in the city and blessed in the country he said my enemies come at me in one direction but they flee in seven amen and I'm telling you, Candy and I go into schools. We go into prisons. We go into churches. I feel like half of me is missing tonight. I really do. And I pray, and you guys please pray with me, that God just brings the funds for her to go with me, amen, full time. Because I love having my wife with me, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. The canker worm kept us along. Yeah, amen. We were, we were split up long enough, amen? But I'll do whatever God needs me to do now. I'm going. If he says go, I'm going, amen? I'm going. Would you come play some song, please? Please come play something real, real soft, Lisa. I want some soldiers. If you know God hears your prayers, amen, and, and you're a minister or and you're a minister and you pray for people, you lay hands on people, and would you please come up and just line up across here? Line right up across here. Come on right now. I, know, I don't have to say that again. Amen? Don't make me call candy. Amen. Come on, Bob. Come on, right up here, brother. Y'all just line up right, right across here. Come on, line up here. Come on. Hallelujah. I want you to look up here at the ministers. Amen? Men of God, men of God up here, standing shoulder to shoulder, ready to fight, amen, ready to do spiritual warfare for you. And I want to tell you something, Jesus paid a price for you, and what he done for me, he's not a respecter of persons, he'll do for you, he'll do it for you. Would you bow your heads tonight? Bow your heads for me. Every man here, every woman here, every eye closed. Please be obedient to this. We don't want anybody looking around. Amen. You're here tonight and you don't know you're this Lord and Savior. Or maybe you do know him. You felt like I did, that you're just going to die to go to hell. And you know you're in need of a Savior tonight. If that's you. Right where you're sitting, do me a favor. We want to get you changed tonight. We want to get you saved. We don't want you to walk in this, in this world in one more minute of darkness. And if that's you, just please, right where you're at, lift your hand up. Lift your hand up. I see you. Anybody else? Anybody? Anybody needs to be saved? Please, I'm not going to... I'm not, I'm not here to embarrass you, but I want you to know something. Don't be ashamed. I know some people got saved last night that never even came up, and that can happen. Amen? Anybody, please, just lift your hand up. Listen, I see you. I see you, brother. I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Lift your hand up. I see you back there. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Come on. I see you. I see you. Hands going up. Hands going up. Oh, Jesus, we love you tonight. We love you tonight. Now listen to me. Listen to me. 
If you need to repent, you know you've walked away from God and you need to return to Him. If that's you and you hear me tonight, please. You're saying, God, I want to return to you. I'm sorry, I want to repent. If that's you, lift your hand up. Hallelujah. Hands going up all over the place, all over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, if you need a healing, if you need a healing tonight, if you need a healing tonight, lift your hand up. Hands going up all over. Hallelujah. God's still in the healing business. Amen. He's still here to heal. I feel such a sweet presence of His Spirit up here. Listen to me. I know there are Christians in the church that have addictions. They have strongholds that they're holding on to. And God wants those strongholds tonight. If that's you, please be honest tonight and lift your hand up. Hands going up all over. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Now I'm going to pray. But after, right after I pray, as they're playing music and they're going to sing a sweet, soft song. After I pray, I would love for you to just, if you could feel the boldness, please, just if you raised your hand for anything, you get up and you come to one of these people up here. You get up. And it don't matter which one. Please, just get up and come to somebody. Father, right now tonight, Lord, I thank you for your sweet spirit that is here, Father. I thank you for salvation tonight, Lord. I thank you for the, for the hands that went up for the repenting hearts, Father. Lord, I thank you, God, for the, for the ones that held hands up for healing, Father. Lord, I thank you for the ones that held hands up for the strongholds in their lives. And Father, I know there are some out here who have family that is in prison or family that is in trouble, God. And I just pray, Father, that you would lead them up here, Lord, and they'd find someone. Lord, we know we're going to see a movement of you tonight. Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Hey drivers, we appreciate you letting us ride along with you in the cab and you can contact us at 618-383-2107 or you can log on to our website at lonesomeroad.org and check us out on the web you can listen to all of our radio programs on our website on our broadcast from the past page so check it out and if you ask jesus christ into your heart then give us a call and let us know been lost I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree